Welcome to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley, and with me is Derek Specht. Hello. And with me is John Van Berger. Hey, guys. How you doing, buddy? Uh, good and bad, good and bad. Good and bad. You got your dog with you tonight? I thought you were going to say you're going to have the dog with you. Yeah. We're supposed to go, roll, roll. <laughs> Randy? I didn't have a dog with me. I didn't think you wanted me to say I had a dog with me. You yeah. said you're going to. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. let's stop and start again then. No, no. no we, we just keep now. plowing too through. Too late now. You blew the opening. Yeah, yeah. This the, you know, Time is money, One buddy. One chance only. Yeah. The studio charges us for every minute, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the level of professionalism is reached. I know. In all Everybody's going to know how badly you screwed up. Yeah. Way to go, John. So not only are we looking for new resumes for Derek's job, but apparently we're looking for a new four correspondent as well. Oh, John, and you were a shoe-in to replace Uh, me. Now you're out. Yeah, John's an Audi. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What's going on, John? A lot. Lots going on. You sent sent me a list. I said, hey, send me a little list of stuff that's happening with you. And you sent like two pages of... Of stuff, so I think we're just going to let you start talking. Derek and I are going to go up and watch some TV, have a couple of beers. Text me when you're done, so we can come back down and, and I'll actually talk about what I wanted to talk about. It all started in my childhood. <laughs> when did you realize you started hating your mother? <laughs> all right, John, let's talk it through. Gunnel bobbing, buddy. You're going to the Yukon River and gunnel bobbing. Yeah. I, you know, I listened to the, your last episode, and you guys were talking about gunnel bobbing. Uh-huh. And I thought, that is such a good idea. Of course it is. We have nothing I, but good ideas. <laughs> I'm going to do that on the Yukon River this summer. Okay. Like, the whole <laughs> way. You, the entire you, way. You did listen to the legal line at the bottom, at the end of the show, right? <laughs> oh, yes. The legal line, that little, <laughs> that I had to read I'm, out. I'm convinced nothing can go wrong with this plan. Well, probably not. Nothing you know, can go wrong. Nothing can the, walk wa- the water's wrong. like probably, you know, two degrees initially, mm-hmm. uh, you know, above freezing. Yeah. So, you know, I, I don't see that as, I, I think this will be fine. Well, wear shorts just in case you fall in because you don't want your pants to get wet. <laughs> there you right? go. Good. Thanks for looking out for me. <laughs> hey, you're number one, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> you dry off a lot quicker if you're like just wearing shorts or a Speedo or something. Yeah. 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 The sun and the wind will just blow that water right off you. (laughs) (laughs) That will make the trip a lot shorter. (laughs) I wonder if there is a record for, like, how far you can go gunnel bobbing. Oh. Yeah. Well, like, like how far, right? (laughs) I'm shooting for about 2,000 miles. About 2,000 miles. There you go. (laughs) It took them six years longer than it should (laughs) have. That's right. But, I'll get you know. the Yukon journey. For, yeah, yeah. I'll come back and just retire at that point. Well, I think so. Uh, you're getting ready for the Yukon journey. What's the updates? Um, well, we got some big news coming up. I'm probably going to be able to share that with you in a couple of weeks. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. Right now, we're doing some, you know, looking at gear and making sure we've got everything kind of ready to go. And I was thinking, you know, given my luck with GoPros and, and, you know, the fact that there's one up on the bottom of the Yukon that shouldn't be. Um, I thought, you know what? I should probably take one up, a backup, just in case. So I was looking at uh, GoPro has a special right now. If you get their new GoPro 8, you can trade in, like, any old digital camera. Not a GoPro anything, but doesn't matter if it's working or not. Just, like, a really crappy old camera. If you paid, I think, the deal is if you paid over $100 for it at the time, 
they'll give you a hundred dollars off a new GoPro. So I was I was talking to Jan about that, and she's like, you know, I think I have my very first digital camera. Really? So she, yeah. She went and grabbed it, pulled it out of a drawer, and uh, it had an old SD card in it. <laughs> okay. And the there were there were what on it? Were there pictures? Hi, hi. Pictures, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Say no more. Say no more. I sport. Oh. Don't let him distract you, John. <laughs> What's that? I couldn't hear you, Derek. Don't I'm sorry. let him I distract was, you. I was distracted. I couldn't hear you. So there was an SD card with pictures, old pictures. There, there were. What Sean? kind of pictures? <laughs> uh, there were actually pictures of our first backcountry trip together over twelve years ago. Your first Ooh. ever trip together. Our uh, first backcountry trip, yeah. Oh, cool. Uh, and um, and it was it's it was actually really kind of funny because you're looking at the the pictures and I was I was shooting some photos of some uh, there were some loons that were just off our campsite the entire two weeks that we were there. In the morning that we were getting ready to leave, they came out as I was starting to paddle away and came basically right up to the boat. And so as I'm you know, I've, I'm sitting in the kayak and I'm taking pictures. Jan took pictures of of that whole thing as it was kind of you know playing out, and uh, it's really funny to look at, you know, what the gear you've got and what you're wearing and you know things at the time. And yeah, it was. I can tell you, it's it's definitely our first backcountry kayaking trip together. Yeah, I've got a few pictures like that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's you know, like, you look at it and it's like... Well, that's what all the cool yeah. kids were wearing at the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, my Hawaiian shirt, for example, and, you know... <laughs> that big, big Coleman lantern. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, you know, like on, on top of the the deck of the kayak and, uh, you know, I've got some large, clear uh, dry bags. Right. And, you know, it's kind of the thing where that was my first time out and, you know, it's like... Yeah, I guess I should have bought a lot of small bags that I could actually shove into the kayak rather than putting, <laughs> you know. And and again, it's it's that thing of you know you don't know what you don't know when you're first starting out, right? Yeah, if you knew then what you know now, uh-huh. that's right. Yeah. But, no, it was cool though. We had uh, pictures of the dogs as as pups. Um, family Christmas photos were on there, and you know it's is one of those things where I didn't I didn't know they were in there, and I didn't put them on to kind of our our normal backup so literally haven't seen these for 12 years so it was really kind of yeah that's pretty cool Hmm. yeah when you start looking back at the gear you used to have when you first started out and everybody was there everybody's been there unless you started out with somebody who's been doing it for 40 years and you they had all your gear for you you know um everybody was there with all the old stuff and that's pretty cool just to go back and think, man, I can't believe I carried all that stuff. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Remember that 90-pound canoe over that portage? Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, everybody remembers that, man. Yeah. Well, at the time, I, you didn't I, know any better, right? Yeah. You just right. brought what you brought, right? Yeah. I remember some of my very first trips, when it, like the 
and, you know, it's like, well, I'm not spending that kind of money on Gore-Tex. Who needs that kind of stuff? <laughs> That's garbage. It's yeah. not worth the money. What a waste of money. Yeah, so you go and buy a $10 rain jacket from Canadian Tire, and, and then you pray for death, busy. You, you can't. <laughs> you, there's more water from sweating on the inside of the rain jacket than there on the outside from rain. Dear Lord, <laughs> kill me now. <laughs> oh, definitely. Definitely. But, I mean, you can. But there, there's also things that you bought, like those candle lanterns that. Yeah, they fit the big thick candle, yeah. and you pop the I top still up have and there's a little glass. We used to use those when we used to go uh, rock climbing. Okay. So if you're coming off the cliffs at night, you'd have the headlamp, and yeah. or you could put um, dangle a, a, a candle on a stick so people knew where you were, sort of thing. Yeah. Um, you know that sort of thing, or mark rear tent was that sort mm-hmm. of stuff. And I stopped using them because I kept I'd blow the candle and push the top down. Yeah. So I ended up with this nice circular oh. burn mark on the palm <laughs> yeah. of my hand yeah. all the time. So I got rid of those. <laughs> but I know a few people who've now picked them up and are using them. All over again. Yeah. yeah. So all these old things that I'm like, yeah, you know what? I'm never using those again. I've got like five of them in my storeroom and they will never see the light of day again. I'm guessing you were the type that would, would you probably put essential oils on yours, didn't you? No. Little drop of essential oil <laughs> in your candle lantern? Not a third time. <laughs> <laughs> Well, why are all the bears coming over here? What smells like chilies? <laughs> Does anybody smell bean-flavored candles? Yeah, going through the woods with a candle, all those smelly candles. Yeah. Yeah, no, I. but yeah, it's, it's cool to see some of the old gear you thought you'd never yeah, see. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it'll pop up because somebody thinks it's a, a cool idea. Yeah. Right? And yeah, no, it wasn't. <laughs> um... What else there, John? You got pictures. You got tell tons me of pictures. more. Tell me more. Yeah. <laughs> well, I found you know an, another callback because we you, we talked about uh, gunnel bobbing from uh, episode past here. Mm-hmm. Uh, a few episodes ago, when I was on, we were talking about uh, things that go bump in the night. Oh yes, like Derek when he's trying to get up in the middle of the night to go have a pee. <laughs> I never have to get up in the middle of the night. Because <laughs> she bumping into things. Uh, yeah, uh, things that go up oh, in the night. There is uh, a gentleman on Facebook. His name is Murray Lundberg, and he runs a site called, and it's a really cool uh, a group, rather, called Yukon History and Abandoned Places. Okay. And, and so it's it's all about the Yukon. It's about, you know, the gold rush. It's about stuff from the 50s and, and just things that, that have changed in the time that, you know, people have been going up there. Right. So mm-hmm. one of the, the things that he had was an article on the Marsh Lake Monster. I don't think I've ever heard of the Marsh Lake I've Monster. I've never heard of it. Is yeah. That, is it anything so, like uh, the Loch Ness Monster? Uh, well, it's, it's not exactly like that. It's... Um, it was from, let's see, January 3rd of 1913. The newspaper ran this story, uh, the Weekly Star out of Whitehorse, and they called it an exciting mystery. Monster animal or serpent exists near Marsh Lake. Oh. Yeah. So they, what I, it, it sounds like is um, the First Nations people up there uh, were talking about, about, 300 years before this article was written, that there was a, a, a monster of some kind that came in and started eating the village. 
And a lot of these people then, of course, left and, and they came back and the monster was there. It had, I mean, it ate houses and people and, you know, everything like that. So there's this story that the, the First Nations people have. Well, in 1913, a group of trappers and hunters decided to share their story, which said that somewhere at the end of, uh, or somewhere near Dece end of December, that there was an, a serpent-type animal that was out there. And they, a couple of guys saw it, and then they went back and got the group, and they all went to chase this thing down, and there were no footprints in the snow. It was just like a serpent that was going through the snow. And anywhere it went up over logs and, and rocks and, and trees and things like that, it left a burn mark and a smell of sulfur. <laughs> now, here's the thing. <laughs> here's how it starts out. And I'm going to share this with you. And I'm going to give you the disclaimer right now that this is written in 1913. Oh, there we go. Yeah, yeah. Here's the start of the story. From a party of trappers and hunters, all honest, truth-loving white men. Uh -huh. Disclaimer. Yep. Yeah. This is a true we're, story, really. <laughs> we're wintering in the McClintock Lake country, which lies from 30 to 40 miles east of uh, Lake Marsh, comes a hair-raising story of the existence in that locality of a monster creature whose classification is difficult. Whether it be animal or serpent is not yet determined. Okay. It's a giant snow snake. <laughs> exactly. Well, it exactly. can't be a snow snake. Why? So, because it burns everything it touches. Have you ever seen a snow snake? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Logic wins out. Derek's wrong. It's a snow snake. Derek's never seen one, so, <laughs> so they have to yeah. exist. So here's the, you know, we, we can... I don't even know if we need to comment on the, the white man piece of that because it's, <laughs> you know, just been an incredibly racist period in history. Um, but I like the thing that they're, they're all honest, truth-loving men. Yes, yes. You honest, truth-loving men. Right. So i got to ask you, if you, and they're, they're talking about hunters and trappers here. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever spent they're any all time... They're known as liars. Yeah, I mean, any time around a campfire with hunters... And fishermen, too, right? No. Yeah, there's no oh, tall tales. Yeah. What's that? Nobody would tell a tall tale around the fire <sighs> or under a trapper. That fish was only seven inches long between That's right. the eyes. Between yeah. the eyes. <laughs> seven inches between the eyes. That's right. <laughs> so anyways, yeah, so it was it was kind of funny that they, um, in in Murray's uh, Facebook group, he, he found this article and had posted it, you know, and... Uh, <laughs> You just kind of like, oh, that's kind of interesting. That's a, an interesting little callback to what we were talking about. So know, when you're up that way doing the Yukon journey. Well, I'm out gunnel bobbing on yeah. Marsh Lake. Well, you, you got that extra height. Mm -hmm. You're going to be able to see across the shore a bit more. <laughs> yeah. Check that's to see right. if you see a giant snow snake. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I don't know what color they are in the summer. Or do they <laughs> hibernate in the summer? Ooh, snow snakes are tricky things. <laughs> yeah. So I just, I think it's fascinating that, uh, you know, a group of drunk trappers and hunters convinced an editor at a paper to write this. I know, this, right? 
No, right? this is what we saw. Maybe it was a slow week. <laughs> he had no slow to year. Run. Yeah, it was a slow year. Yeah. Do I talk about everybody having scurvy again this week, or do I talk about <laughs> ooh, somebody saw this big old monster? Yeah. 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 Sales were down. He needed something. Snow snakes and, needed to do and it. And this year sold a lot of papers. Yeah. Smart yeah. fella. The yeah. weekly star out of Whitehorse. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And there was there was a there was an interim sighting too. Apparently between the the when the natives reported the seeing something uh, three hundred years ago, about three years before this report came out, so uh, a gentleman said that he saw it and it ate a herd of moose. <laughs> ate an a entire herd, herd of moose. Of moose. Yes. Like all Camping in, in the sitting, locality or? the following night, he saw flame and smoke arising from a nearby canyon where it was afterward proven. That's right. Proven. proven. No one had been near for months. At that time, a herd of moose, which frequented that part of the country, suddenly disappeared. And as no tracks led away from it, it was believed the strange serpent or animal made a meal of them. There were known to be 12 moose in the herd. Hmm. And they were never heard from <laughs> oh, again. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. So it sounds like the precursor to Fox News. <laughs> in 2020, a fella from Wisconsin was paddling the Yukon River. <laughs> now, do, do, uh, do moose travel in herds? pretty sure they don't yeah well there's, isn't there that herd on il royale or something but like it's that it's not a herd well i think it's a herd because they can't get off the <laughs> they yeah because they can't go anywhere for <laughs> the group it's like relatives locked in the same house yeah. you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah I, but that's that was the question i was going through my brain is solitary animals like they yeah. The only time I, you see more than one together is like uh, when they have the babies or when there's a rut. Yeah. Yeah. I've never seen more than three moose together, I think. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe it was a rut. It was or the rut and, two and babies. the snake pounced. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. So, so things go bump in the night. <laughs> yeah. Look at us analyzing the details of the story. Yeah. Huh, so yeah. <laughs> we're analyzing the detail, a hundred year old, you know, trappers lies that we're analyzing. Here. <laughs> what were their names? One moose is moose. <laughs> Two moose is meese. Meeses. <laughs> Moosei is the correct plural form. <laughs> Moosei. Moosei. And the little bits that were left? Meese's species. <laughs> <laughs> so what else you got for us, John? <laughs> yes. This is fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> uh, can I go on the stories of my childhood now? Yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> All right. Why don't we talk about the outdoor kind since we're talking about the uh, Yukon River? Okay. Or Yukon Journey, uh, sorry. Yeah. So we are, um, we you know, we wrapped up this last year, and so we're kind of putting out information about what we did um, just to kind of let people know. Uh, you know, a lot of people donated for. Um, stickers and shirts and things like that. So we just kind of wanted to let people know what, what we were doing in the past year. We went to uh, 15 public events, and those range from libraries to schools to outdoor shows and uh, even a boating club meeting. Cool. And uh, we gave presentations at most of these and multiple presentations at some. So we were you know, happy about that. 
the uh, and and presentations generally were safety related, or if not, if it was on a destination, we always try to sneak in kind of safety stuff along the way too, right? Because right. we figure while people are there, hey, we've got a chance to just to get a few little things in along the way, right? So uh, that also included a talk at Aurelia Secondary School, and we're really proud of that one because that was our first time we were uh, in a Canadian school. So we've done, yeah, we've done U.S. schools before, and so this was our first Canadian school, and and we definitely want to do more in the future. So that was that was great fun for us. So well, especially when you guys, you know, you talk about being raising funds for first responders in North America. Right. You know, to, yes. to be doing some stuff up in Canada is perfect. Yeah, we really, you know, I mean, we, that's that's something that's really important to us, yeah. you know. So uh, we handed out uh, safety brochures at uh, all of these events. And uh, that's something that we do all the time. We have those posted online, too. So if people go to theoutdoorkind.org, they'll find a, a link to the safety brochures, for example, on first aid kits and emergency kits so they can download those right now would we that did. be the uh oh shit emergency kit yes okay yes our oh shit kit right uh we one of the things that worked out really well this last year in terms of numbers we had a safety article in the canoe copia show guide magazine awesome so for those who don't know canoe copia is the largest paddling uh sports show in north america and that that show guide, which they mail out and then have there as well, has a hard circulation of forty five thousand. Wow! So wow. we huh. had the info in there, and traditionally, most magazines are read by an average of three point three people. So if that follows through with this as well, and it would make sense that it is because it's mailed out, that means that our safety article is in front of nearly one hundred and fifty thousand people. So. Huh. That was very cool. We were, you know, we were happy about that. We also talked about safety here on Paddling Adventures Radio a couple of times. Very specific, you know, whether it was the the winter kit, um, th- whatever it might be, or things that we're just talking about when we're talking about important stuff like Marsh Lake monsters. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, I mean, you have. 7,000 weekly listeners almost now. And so that adds up pretty quick too. And yeah. so we're, we're always happy whenever, you know, we can come on here and talk about that. So that was kind of cool. And then we, because we're two prongs, so we do education and then also donate to first responders. We donated to a number of groups in Canada and the U.S. this year. We donated to the Ottawa Volunteer Search and Rescue. And we try to spread these out so they don't, you know, we don't normally go back and give more money to the same organization, right? Right. Um, So we try to spread these out. We made an exception with this because the Ottawa Volunteer Group is a really good group. And they had a huge project where they went out and they marked, you know, thousands of kilometers of trails. Uh, So people had a problem out there. They'd know who to contact. They'd be able to give them a location to do so. And so, you know, this group covers an area in Ontario and Quebec. And so they, they just do great work. So we're really happy to, to support them again. Cool. We gave money to the Rocky Mountain House Search and Rescue Group out in Alberta. 
It is a very active group. They do land and water rescue. They're based near the, the confluence of the North Saskatchewan and Clearwater Rivers. Okay. And if you, this, this organization, their name comes up a lot online. Um, you know, they're very dedicated. I mean, all SAR groups are very dedicated, right? I mean, it's, it's the nature of, of what they do. Right. But this, this group is super active. They work in conjunction with other organizations. And um, I think I just saw something recently, again, where they did some cold water training with an area fire department. And, you know, they're really awesome. So we were pleased to donate to them. We gave money to the White, Mo White Mountain Swift Water Rescue Team. Now, the Yukon Journey had raised funds and had given money to this group. Uh, they do outstanding work. Uh, I had the chance to meet with a couple of the members after doing a presentation out in Conway, New Hampshire. And everything that they talked about was what you wanted to see, you know, like in, a, in an organization like this. Right. So mm -hmm. we decided, you know what? Let's the you know that was the Yukon Journey thing, but let's let's have the outdoor kind uh, lend a hand here too because they were you know they're a great group. We've got one other group that we're um, kind of nailing down some details on now, so I don't want to go into that right now. But yeah, so we were I can't say you know how happy are we are to to support groups like this because there's there's so many good organizations out there. They look out for us when we have trouble, so we want to be able to help them too well and the fact that they now recognize that people are paying attention to what they're doing and mm -hmm. people are realizing how important it is that they're doing what they're doing I'm yeah sure that goes a ways too yeah and you know what's what's kind of cool and and i'm gonna guess it's the same up there as it is down here in the states when you're watching <clears throat> television or something there's a lot more emphasis on first responders and i don't mean like you know like the police shows or fire shows or anything. But I mean, like, you'll see organizations that will be giving discounts to first responders. And and we're seeing that more and more down here. And, and that's really cool. So, um, you know, it, it's nice to see them get recognition for what they do. Yeah, because there's a lot of, hey, if you're a military family, get a discount at a hotel or something like that. Right, exactly. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so uh, there's a lot of companies that are now doing that for first responders. So right. whether they're yeah, fire, police, search and rescue, whatever it might be. So, mm -hmm. yeah, mm -hmm. that's that's very cool. Awesome. So, yeah. So, looking forward, we're going to do more of the same. Uh, we are going to get out more into schools this next year. That's going to be one of our big pushes. Right. We're going to be doing more, I think, with media representation, too. So, being a resource for radio and TV when they need to talk about, oh, well, it's, you know, you're coming up on you know, such a uh, holiday weekend or something, and people are going to be out boating and, and those kinds of things. We can say, hey, you know, when you're out there, <laughs> don't forget about watching out for canoeists and kayakers because, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So we'll be doing, that's the other thing that we're going to be doing, I think, more of in 2020. Cool. Yeah. That sounds cool. Uh, yeah, especially if you get into the schools and get into the kids that are that early, you know, get them that information. Yes. Yeah, they can get it... Uh, in their brains well before they become um, young adults and start heading out on the water. Yeah. And one of the things that's really interesting when you go out and talk to school groups and, and that I like, it's really fun, is you can immediately tell which of the kids are into the outdoors. 
And it's it's also fun because you can tell who the scouts are. Right. Because when you're talking about prep or about doing something or about, you know, they'll ask a really specific question about a piece of equipment, you know. So they <laughs> it's just kind of it's kind of fun, you yeah, know. Yeah, so they've so. seen that gear or something before. Or... Right. Yeah. Yep. That's so, cool. That's cool. Yeah. And then we're going to uh, next time I'm out, we're going to distract Derek. We're going to oh. steal his canoe. Okay. Uh, he has noted that his family is outgrowing it, so we're going to take that and we're going <laughs> to raffle it off as a fundraiser. <laughs> it's a little bit leaky. Well, that sounds it's like a whoever wins it problem. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing that a little silicone seal yeah. can't fix. Congratulations. You've won a celebrity's used canoe. <laughs> <laughs> I said that as Derek was taking a big swig of beer. <laughs> what up, my nose? You should time yeah. those statements. Oh, you know, eh? Did that right. <laughs> yeah, well, that's excellent, man. Sounds like uh, the outdoor kind is uh, really uh, productive 2019, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. We were we were very happy with, uh, with most of what happened. Um, you had we- recently found some bad things. There's bad people out there. There are bad people out there, and unfortunately, there is right now. So the outdoor kind, for for people who may not know what we do, um, the way that we raise funds, we're a family-based organization, so we can't get government funding. We're not a nonprofit, so we can't get, you know, a lot of uh, tax-free donations, those kinds of things. Right. So the way that we get money to do these programs and to give to funds to first responders is that we take donations for t-shirts and stickers and just different fun things like that. So we make these designs, uh, we take them to the shows and, and wherever else we have them online. And in putting them online, a company from California has stolen our designs and is making t-shirts and posters and mugs and things like that. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I found this out yesterday um i cannot <laughs> i cannot adequately express sean <laughs> and Derek <laughs> how upset i am about this right now will there be powerful um, words after this <laughs> yeah yeah you know it it's yeah they're they have just plain ripped them off i mean they have taken the entire design <clears throat> we we have stuff on the only place that you can get our gear is either in person, from Amazon, uh, from our website, or from mancamping.ca, from Scott Robinson's group. Right. And, uh, and he's awesome, and, and he's going to be doing some stuff for us. So if you see someone else selling them, it's illegal, unlicensed, and we'd like you to let us know. Um, but, you know, the thing that, that drives you crazy about this is... is First of all, it's just the fact that they're ripping you off, right? Yeah. Well, it's money that's supposed to be going to first responders. Exactly, and that's that's the that's the piece that that you know it drives you crazy because you spent all this time and effort to create these designs, specifically so you can help first responders and do education. And you know, we don't take any money from this. We don't. I haven't gotten a penny from this. And so, for somebody to rip you off like that is is even worse than normal right it's yeah. even worse than a normal thief the other problem with it is you know 
So you say, okay, well, let's then go after this guy. That means you have to hire an attorney, yeah. which takes even more money away from first response. You know what I mean? So suddenly the things that you want to do for education and first responders, now you're hiring an attorney to try to, you know. Fight so this guy, yeah. Right. So, you know, it's, it's frustrating is, is an understatement. We hope that people will, you know, will will look for our gear from us and follow links from us. But if you Google the outdoor kind, one of the first things that come up is this other company, and uh, and their illustrations of our of our shirts, basically. And they're they're clearly it's clearly a ripoff organization because when you go to the contact information. It is, the town name is actually a street name. The phone number doesn't have the right number of digits. You know what I mean? So it's it's mm-hmm. just a complete ripoff. And they've even ripped off the Best Buy yellow tags and um, put a slightly different logo in there about best value or whatever. And I mean, it's, so we're, we're very frustrated right now. You know, um, what do you do, right? Yeah, unfortunately. So I wonder if there is just a rip-off site to get people's money, or are they actually producing your shirts? Right. And there's a part of me that wants to order it, because then I would actually get a production company oh, address. Yeah. Right. Right. So order one of the, whatever they have for the cheapest item, figure out who's producing it, and then contact the company that's producing it and saying, you know, as as the producer of this gear, you are, you know, this is copyright material, in terms of the outdoor kind, we're in process of trademarking that. So this is, you know, this is really bad for you. You need to stop producing this on their behalf. And we may have to go down that road. But I hate doing that because, again, we're, you know, I mean, it's, you know. How much does a cease and desist cost? Cease and desist from an attorney uh, would be fine, but but where do you send it? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. It's got all fake contact info. Yeah. Now, I should mention too that this is just the first company that I saw. I did not do a deep dig on this because I was so angry. Um, you know that. Uh, so you expect, you know, every company, every re- or retail organizations expect a certain number of shoplifting from scumbags, right? Yeah. It's going to happen. What really bothers me about this, though, is that this is stuff that's designed to help first responders, and these assholes exactly. are. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. they're ripping off your designs, and they're ripping off first responders. It's mm-hmm. like a double theft. Right. right. Exactly. So exactly. So, I would encourage anyone, <laughs> if you happen to see an organization like this online, and you see that little uh, those Google reviews, and if you were to you know mark that they're selling stolen designs i would have no problem with that yeah definitely put it out there this is you know a problem that can be solved with about five gallons of gasoline and uh (laughs) oh no sorry sorry (laughs) and a stolen bulldozer (laughs) (laughs) yeah you know it's uh yeah it's frustrating dude yeah well let us uh, keep us up to date and see let us know if anything happens with that yeah so, um, let's change to something good because that's not fun to talk about. All right. What's fun I, is happening? I'm going to the winter camping rendezvous this weekend. Oh, where? 
Is that Minnesota? Uh, this one is in northern Wisconsin. It's put on by the people over in Minnesota, though, okay. the, the one that did the, the last October event. Right. It yeah. is just a get-together. There's no presentations or you know official dinners or anything like that. There's a bunch of people that love to winter camp show up. There's a, you know, like a, you bring a, there's a big chili dump and fire and, you know, so it's, I am looking forward to it. It's going to be a, a nice, I'm going to try to get up there. Probably won't be able to get up there tomorrow, but I'll probably get up there Friday morning and stay through Sunday and then come back and watch the Super Bowl that no longer has a possibility of having my Green Bay Packers in it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, it should be a great weekend. I'm really looking forward to it. Good, good. Get out there and do some camping and relax for a bit. Right, yeah. Yeah, a little bit of snowshoeing. And yeah, I think uh, the, the cool thing is, um, I've got that, you know, that new snow trekker mm -hmm. and I'm not great with the stove yet. Like I'm a stove yeah. newbie. And so the cool thing is the people that make the stoves <laughs> and people that use these all the time are going to be there. So what awesome. I can do is say, Hey, come on in, let's have a drink. You can help me sort this out and yeah. yeah. Spend the night. <laughs> so you can look after the stove all night. There you go. <laughs> yeah, that's right. While I sleep, just you just don't wake stuff. me up while you're showing me how it works. That's right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so you got to figure so, it out, buddy. Yeah. So yeah. So I'm I'm definitely looking forward to that. And it's it's up in a beautiful area up in northern Wisconsin, and uh, end up seeing a lot of the same people that were over at the other event. So right there, you know, it's going to be a great time. Yeah. Cool. That sounds pretty cool. Yeah. I'm not actually getting out winter camping till mid or early early mid mid february yeah family yeah. day weekend oh, family so. day weekend yeah. yeah yeah that's the first time i'm oh. getting out yeah uh, because i never got up there at uh, new year's because of work schedules and stuff so but mm. uh just so much going on and everything like that just yeah never, not had the chance so mm -hmm. yeah family day weekend it'll be the first chance i get to uh go up and do some camping mm. i'll be out this weekend yeah, you're going, well, you're not camping. Oh, no, you are camping this I'm camping, week. yep. You're camping so this week. So originally I was j just trying to figure, with a six-year-old and nine-year-old, you kind of kind of, kind of need to be close to uh, washroom facilities. Yeah. So I haven't <laughs> taught my kids how to go in the woods like a bear yet, right? So, and I don't think Becca would be too happy about that. <laughs> anyway, so our original plan was I wanted to do some backcountry camping. Martin Pine was... Uh, looking at some locations for me but in the end i decided i just i just can't do backcountry right so um so then we were thinking about doing silent lake and then stella got her two cents worth in and she wants to go skating so <laughs> there's a skating rink at mew lake we're gonna go and and camp there and I'm, I'm tempted to just go into the airfield and do a little bit of backcountry and still have access to the washrooms yeah yeah if you are in mew and she wants to do some skating don't forget Arrowhead. Just we're at the plan. So, depending on how things go, Friday we're gonna take a trip to Arrowhead and uh, do the uh, the the ice trail. The ice trail. Yeah. They have an ice trail that goes through the Arrowhead Provincial Park. Um, okay. And so basically, that you're just skating along this mm -hmm. massive trail. It's a, it's a huge loop. Yeah. We've had the okay. kids on well, it before. And, and there's a few weekends of the of the winter where they line it with tiki torches. Yep. Oh, and they do a fun. night skate. Yeah, which fun. is it's really cool. cool. And yeah, really I did cool. it during the night. We, we had the kids there one time at night and uh, they were in a sled and we skated along and it was really cool. There's quite a few people came out at night. Yeah. 
Yeah. But well, you really... and I did it that when we did oh, the yeah. Uh, yeah. the snowshoe day Way up in when, Algonquin. Yeah. yeah. Back in the day. So that's mm-hmm. that's in you said Arrowhead. Arrowhead, which is yeah. just north of uh, Huntsville. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. That sounds great. It's, it's pretty, pretty cool. cool. Yeah. So how late in the season do you think that would be? They'd have that open right, right now. till July. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right till July. <laughs> Skating's really bumpy come the end of June. <laughs> That's right. You don't get that glide you're used to. But. No. Yeah. The mosquitoes just carry you along, yeah. though. Right. It really depends on the season and, and the, the cold of the winter. Like, you know, it, if water, if the weather is, like, warm, then obviously it's going to break up early, right? So they keep yeah. it open as long as they can keep it open, mm-hmm. as long as it freezes up at night, right? Is it like March? Would you say it's up or um, February at least? Yeah. yeah, going into March might be March might be pushing your pushing luck. it. Yeah, because because you know, the Quiet Adventure Symposium is on February 29th this year, mm-hmm. which puts me just a what, five hours, hour and a half, hour and a half from the border. Yeah, and then mm. four and a half, no, six hours from the border to Arrowhead. Yeah, so it, you're looking at about an eight-hour drive. Is it Arrowhead or Arrowhead? Arrowhead. No, camp Arrowhead. Arrowhead is the Arrow, camp. Yeah, yeah, the camp and the camp resort. Ground is Arrowhead. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So you're looking at about an eight-hour drive from Lansing, at least. Still, that would be cool. I've not done anything like a like a skating trail like that. Yeah, that would be fun. I've seen somewhere else has one, but maybe that's farther there north. Is I mean another place I can't remember where. Like over in Quebec, you know, they've got the canals and stuff. I've always wanted to do yeah. that. Yeah, the even through Ottawa, they have the rideau. Yeah. And oh, that's Ottawa. And that's okay. Yeah. Kilometers and kilometers and kilometers. Yeah, but they it's hit or miss anymore. Whether it freezes enough. Yeah. Because they okay. used to have the little village on there where you can go get yeah. like beaver tail and all that sort of stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, they would have the sign. We've had X number of great skating days on the canal this mm-hmm. year, and. Mm-hmm. anymore the, it's like yeah we had two the winters just aren't <laughs> cold enough anymore no yeah no. is now does um does is it montreal or quebec city that has the big winter fair yeah it's uh, the <laughs> big winter <laughs> yeah it's, it's uh so no I, let me <laughs> finish i'm thinking so it's like bonhomme you know the bonhomme guy so yeah. it's quebec has that they have the crashed ice thing during it and and mm-hmm. uh so it's called uh Bonhomme Festival or something like that. In Quebec City. Yeah, Quebec yeah. City. And it's okay. I've been to that a few times. It's pretty cool. I think cool. Montreal has its own little version of yeah. winter festivals. So in Quebec, they build an ice castle and you can stay in it at night. Yeah. Wow. And, yeah. That'd be so cool. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. There's an, They have an ice bar. Mm-hmm. So you can go there and there's they build this elaborate thing where they they pour your your vodka shot down through the twisty ice tubes and down into your mouth and it's it's kind of cool it's they do so much there it's it's, it's like homer simpson at the frosty machine <laughs> yeah exactly right so Except it's Derek and vodka yeah. so it's it's quite the festival in quebec city it's pretty amazing and cool. you know the bonhomme festival the guy the little uh, the snowman runs around yeah. and greets people like ronald Is that mcdonald Bonhomme, bonhomme, je tu je day, bonhomme, bonhomme, je tu je day. <laughs> yeah, good times. Yes. Are you coming up, John? 
We're going to get all Canadian on you. I was up until that. I was sold until that. <laughs> until, until Derek started indoctrinating you. <laughs> yes. There we go. No, the it, cult of the it was, snowman. It was the singing. It was the yeah. singing. <laughs> My kids yeah. sing that song. <laughs> oh. Well, uh, it sounds like you've been pretty busy there, John. That's for sure. It looks like you're going to be busy, so. Yeah. Uh, all I got to say about the outdoor kind and the Yukon journey, keep it up, man. It's good to see you guys out yes. there doing that stuff. You're doing something good. Thanks. Thank you. Appreciate well, it. Let's take a quick break here. When we come back, we got. I'm going to bring up a topic that could go any which way. There may be yelling. There may be screaming. There may be disagreeing. <laughs> or it may go nowhere. We'll be right <laughs> back. Hey, this is Sean Rowley, and you're listening to Paddling Adventures Radio. To find out more about us, check out our website, paddlingadventuresradio.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Current and past episodes of our podcast can be downloaded or streamed from iTunes, Google Play, and the episode page of our website. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for the show, we would love to hear from you. So drop us a line on Facebook or our website. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the show. This portion of the show is brought to you by Algonquin Outfitters. Algonquin Outfitters providing quality Algonquin Park backcountry adventures for the entire family since 1961. Whether you want to get on the water for a day or a week, the friendly staff at Algonquin Outfitters can help you out. Find them online at algonquinoutfitters.com or visit one of their 12 locations. Algonquin Outfitters, your outdoor adventure store, with locations in Algonquin Park, Muskoka, and Halliburton. Welcome back. So I had this idea after an article I read, and I thought we'd just discuss it because I'm sort of thinking that, and I'll read the article in a se- or parts of the article in a second. I'm starting to wonder if this is going to become a trend. So India's highest trekking peak, Stock Kangri, which is 6,154 meters high, is going to be closed for trekking and climbing for the entirety of the 2020 to 2022 seasons for three years. It's the most popular trekking peaks in Ladakh. Uh, Thousands of adventure enthusiasts from all over the world come to climb the peak every year. The Stock Village is dependent on the Stock Kangri, which means glacier, for their water needs. However, many years of unregulated tourism has led to pollution of the water source and the subsequent inevitable global climate changes have led to the receding of the glaciers. The peak has fallen prey to over-tourism and climate change, greatly disturbing its ecology. So the tourism boards in the area have decided, you know what, we're going to fix this, we're closing it down for three years, and get this, get some plans in place. There was another place, a popular trekking route, the Chadar Trek, which takes place in at the peak of winter. Uh, the Zanskar River freezes and trekkers walk on the ice. So this has been quite um, popular doing that. They had the same issue. They closed it down, I guess. They made this new plan and it's worked. So they're going to put this new plan or replicate this plan um, at Stock Kangri and see if they can't do the same thing, bring it back and, and limit stuff like that. So this is what I'm thinking is, is this going to start being a trend, do you think? Because I look at places near us, even like Algonquin Park. How used is Algonquin Park? Like, I mean, it's it's massively overcrowded. 
Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's huge. 7,700 yeah. oh, square yeah. kilometers, right? Yeah, it's pretty big. That's big. And you go into this park and the portages are just packed and campgrounds are packed. The hiking trails are packed. And when you start going to places like the Grand Canyon, you're going to uh, the Nahani, you're going to the Yukon River, uh, that sort of stuff, all these big name places. There are so many people doing these kinds of trips and wanting to do these kind of trips. Uh, what was the one we talked about where they were, all the, the oxygen tanks and everything were being left up on the mountain? Oh, is uh, that's uh, Everest. Is that Everest? No, Everest is one with the bodies in that. And, and bottles. Like okay. K2 has a lot of oxygen bottles left behind uh, Everest. The Everest has a huge garbage problem. It's massive garbage yeah. problem. Yeah. It, just, it's, it takes so much effort just to get up there that they it's uh, can be life-threatening trying to take the garbage back down. Well, I know there's bodies and everything up there as well. Mm-hmm. So how long until they start closing places like that? Yeah. yeah. And is that yeah. going to trickle down? To like I say, places like Algonquin Park and even Killarney now, try to get into Killarney. Yeah. Yep. You know, in the summer, it's like, that's ridiculous. Right. Unless, unless you've got that spot booked six months before. Yes. Sort of thing, right? But so at least yeah. once all the campsites are full, it limits further people from going. Right? But the campsites are full from ice out pretty much to ice in. Yes. Right? So that is... But it does set a natural limit to the quantity of people that go into these backcountry areas. In in yeah, in terms of, yeah, in terms of the backcountry, in terms yeah. of yes. hiking trails and but front and, country is just over. They, they become overwhelmed. It's hard to keep up. Hard to keep maintenance yeah. on, on uh, you know, for the park staff. Right. So when you know what now I know with the grant with uh, the Grand Canyon they do the permit system. They only sell so many permits a year. Yes. Right. Same and I think of- that's. I don't know if that's protecting the backcountry or if that's just limiting the number of people for safety reasons. You think that's what it is? I think so. Like West Coast Trail in Vancouver Island, they do the same thing. They uh, they limit to, I don't know what the number is, but let's say, for example, 30 people a day can start the trail or 25 people. That's can, the, sh- the hmm? Shipwreck Trail, right? Uh, also known as? I don't know. It's, it's the yeah. uh, so the West Coast Trail. It's along the west coast of Vancouver Island. From you start from the north, yeah. and you head, and there's a lot of uh, cliff climbing, and there, you need a ferry yes. in a couple places, and yep, it's very rugged. But it, it's right. it, as I understand it, it's just to limit the quantity of people that go on the trail each day. It's uh, mm-hmm. just because it's it, it's it becomes a safety hazard if you have too many people out there so as a byproduct it uh, helps maintain the, the the you know the the, the back country so that it's not overused and overloved and all that stuff right because as we know anytime like and, and I, they call it the instagram effect you once somebody takes a pretty picture somewhere oh, right then you get yeah. droves of people crashing the area and you know running over people's backyards and in the flower beds trying to get pictures of something right so it's uh yeah. You limit how many people get in there, and you can limit, you know, basically for safety, but it also has a side effect of protecting the backcountry. Now, this never doesn't say how many people, like the numbers of people that come no, up every year and that you, sort of it thing. It says which kind thousands, of, but it's yeah. like, what, is that like 2,500 people or is that 99,000 people? Yeah, well, that's, yeah, thousands of adventures. Yeah. yeah. Um, but when you say they're they're limiting the number of people going per day, do you think that sort of the end result instead of closing it permanently 
to limit. I'm wondering if that's what this is, what they're going to actually end up doing here. Yeah, so these places that you read off, I think what they're trying to do initially is to recover the backcountry. And after the three years, they're going to reassess and they probably put a quota system in, I would guess. And the main concern is that the glacier is leaving. The, uh, the, the it's affecting the uh, the quality of water for the village. Mm-hmm. So it's it's tough for that way. So I think that's why they're putting in this three year ban of, of any climbers and hikers, and uh, they'll reassess in three years to determine if okay we're gonna have a quota system or there's so many so many people that can access that area. Yeah, I mean the I, water that's coming down to the the village now is polluted. Yes. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. Something's got to be done. Yeah. Well, you know, and a, a lot of the places like like Derek's talking with the the West Coast Trail, and I, I do think that's the the shipwreck trail. Yeah. Um, the um, you know, where they limit people going in, there's a couple of rivers over in Michigan where they do that too. Where during the summer months, what they'll do is they will, you have to have a permit to run this in the summer months from like Memorial Day to Labor Day. And it's the, the Pear Marquette River and the Pine River. And the Pine River is a, a class two uh, whitewater river. And a lot of people love it. The, the Pear Marquette is a really good fishing river. And, and on that one in particular, you have to, your permit says you have to be off the water by 6 o'clock so that fishermen can go throw a line in without having 150 people get tangled <laughs> up in it. Right. <laughs> but, you know, I, I think that, that thing of limiting... There's always that thing of we go to wilderness areas, we go to backcountry areas for that experience. And yet, if you have all of these people come in, that experience isn't there anymore. And so, you know, you limit the number going in. If if some of these areas are damaged initially or damaged before something like this is set up, right? Mm-hmm. You, it's almost mm-hmm. like you can see it on a continuum. So, okay we can close this down to allow uh, reforestation or to allow trails to heal. You know, if you, if you have hikers going through an area where they're taking a cutoff or something, where they'll mark, you know, block that off, they'll close the trail for a bit, you know, those kinds of things you understand. I, I, think, it's, I think it's going to be that thing of a continuum, right? Right. Now, what about the places like the Everglades? Mm-hmm. When you're seeing all the people, oh, you, I mean, we're going to the Everglades. We're going to go kayaking down the Everglades and that sort of stuff. There's a lot of people right. that do that. There's the manatees. Yeah. There's the alligators and and whatnot. Yep. Is that That's, getting to the point where they need to start limiting people? The what they do on the because I'll be doing this soon. I, I pushed my trip back. I was going to go in February. I've pushed it back to, in fact, the day after Canoe Copia, I'm, I'm going to start driving down to Florida. The, um, the Wilderness Waterway down there, that 99-mile trail, they limit, the way that they limit that is they limit the places you can stay. Because okay. you, have to, you have to stay out on these things, they're, they're called chickies, but it's basically, if you think about like a boat dock out in the middle of nowhere with a roof on it, that's a chickie. Okay. And so you go basically from Chicky to Chicky. There's a few island campsites. There's a few beach campsites out on the Gulf. But basically, you're going Chicky to Chicky, and you have to reserve those. And <laughs> one of the reasons they do that, that, that does keep the number of people down in. But it also is, you know, the other problem with that, too, is it's kind of a safety thing. Because if you go in there, you paddle all day, you get to the Chicky you're supposed to be, and there's someone there. Now what do you do? Right. right. 
So I think um, they 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 limit it for that reason too. It doesn't limit day trippers and and by day trippers what you're talking about down there for example you're talking about a lot like a lot of power boaters right motor boaters right yeah. going out there and because you know for us as paddlers to get out there that's that's more difficult so it it limits what we can do in that back country if you're in a power boat it's it it does limit where you can stay but you know you can blast through a lot of that stuff depending on the tide and blast back out and that's you know what do you do with that, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, like I say, I, I just came across this article, I was reading it, and I just think of some of the places I've been that are, I mean, tomogamy is like, yeah, you need to, you, that's not going to happen there. Uh, right. But when I get to places like Algonquin Park, yeah, mm-hmm. the amount of people that go through there every yeah. year. It's still in fairly good condition. Like, you don't see a lot of litter in Algonquin. Like, once in a while you come across a campsite that's just obliterated and people have left clothes and stuff behind. It's like, oh, what happened here, right? But for the most part, in my experience, Algonquin Park is pretty clean and pretty Well, I've been to some sites that, yeah, they need to be closed. Yes. They definitely need to be closed. Some of the portages. um, Yeah, definitely. Especially the the put-ins and the takeouts Mm -hmm. are just trashed. And yeah. yeah, I mean, it, it is quite heavily used park. Yeah. So that, that, and, that's and, just sort of what I was thinking about when I, I read this article is I wonder if there's, this is going to end up being some sort of trend where they either close it down or like we say, limit, put limits on the people that can go through daily, yeah. weekly, monthly. Yeah. 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 You know, just, just to improve or retain the environmental impacts that are, you know, that, that you don't want any more impact on it. Um, you don't want, like you say, um, erosion from riverbanks and stuff like that, you know? Yeah. So I, I, yeah. Anyway, I, like I say, I, I just, just a thought that crossed my mind when I was reading this article and what it would pertain to where we go. There was a, a place Oh God, this is going back ways. This is uh, 1990s probably, and I was hiking down in New Mexico, and I I met an archaeologist when I was out at a like a a backcountry site, and I was talking to the archaeologist, and she said, "Oh, you got to go down to this area, like where her normal workplace was." She's like, "There's all these cool places you can go out and you can hike up to them, and there's like these cities, like the old Anasazi." Oh, native oh, cities yeah, yeah, right yeah. and she's like you you gotta go see these i'm like okay so that that sounds good and so we eventually became friends and and she's like yeah come come down let me know when you're here you can crash at my place and i'll take you out and i'll show you some of these things And i'm like this is awesome right i mean this is um you know the history buff in me and and just you know being out in these beautiful places and and being somewhere where there was you know there were 1200 people living here you know, in the, uh, what would it have been? It would have been the 750 AD to 1200 AD kind of thing, wow. you know? And so, yeah, so you go out to these sites and a lot of them weren't that well known. Oh, so okay. here's the weird yeah. thing though with this, right? And this is, it almost like turns on its head what you were talking about. Eventually I met her boss. He wanted me to go out and shoot photos for him because uh, I was working as a photographer at the time. Right. Um, 
to to take pictures of these places, they were going to produce posters in the hopes, and I, I kid you not, I'm, I'm not making this up, so that they could publicize it, get more people in, have some damage, and then go ahead and go to <laughs> basically their overlords to say, oh, look, all these people are going in here and there's all this damage. We need to get more funding to preserve this site. Oh, oh, and they're geez. causing the damage. Wow. And they're causing the damage. Yeah, right. It was... You know, I mean, it was like it was like taking that thing and turning it in completely on its head, right? Right. Publicize it to get damage so that you can protect it. It, it was bizarre. It was. Wow. I I ended up not participating in that. <laughs> Good plan. <laughs> yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. So, alrighty. Well, that's awesome. That's uh, mm -hmm. like I say, it was it was a cool article and we definitely. Uh, Something to keep a watch Definitely on for, food the, for, for the future. Yeah. About, yeah, stuff that yeah. you're going to see coming up in the future with, you know, like with climate change and with glaciers, uh, you know, receding and, and with uh, the, the social media effect of getting more people into the backcountry. There's, there's certain areas that we are going to lose access to as, as you know, yeah. agencies and governments and villages and towns trying to protect their treasures, right? Yeah, exactly. Right. And I think, you know, for a lot of us, it's... You know, for example, if you, if you look at those rivers in Michigan, right? So for, for a guy in Wisconsin and you guys over in Ontario, if we're able to go over and do this, right, to go hit those rivers, let's say we set up a time, we go over and do that, that's once a weekend for us. It's not that big a deal. The, the people I feel bad are, are the locals that, that like to paddle those rivers, right? Oh, yeah. It's yeah. where you kind of, you know, because the other thing, the other piece of this is those are for um, private boats. Those aren't for liveries or something. Okay. You know, so yeah, so it's, it's kind of, I feel bad for people that live right near an area like that because they lose that essentially because there's only cer a certain amount of days that you can book that too. Right. Yeah. Like it's, it, I think it's like you can maybe do it four times or something during, you know. So you aren't able to go out in the area that you is in your own backyard and that you love. Yeah, you know, yeah. you think about that. That's kind of a drag. But if you and I are going over there and say, hey, let's let's go meet over here and let's go paddle this river. Right. This sounds like fun. We can get the permit. We can go in once and we're fine. Yeah. You know, but, you know, I don't know. The there's an area near here that I'm not going to name because <laughs> I don't want more people going up. It was it was actually one of those places that that Jan uh, went as a kid. Like her her father was a Boy Scout oh, uh, troop yeah, leader. Yeah. Her mother was a Girl Scout leader, and they used to go up there from the time she was a little kid. When we started dating initially, she took me up there, and I'm like, "This is amazing!" <laughs> and this is only like you know an hour and fifteen minutes, an hour and a half from our place. Oh, okay, so gorgeous. How you know? And um, well. Probably 10, 12 years ago now, an article came out in one of the bigger cities nearby talking about the hidden treasure, you oh, know? Oh, there you go. Yeah. And now we don't go up there in summer because right. it changed from being like when we were up there, we'd just go up, you know, there were times we'd go up, spend two weeks up there and she would go, she would drive down to work sometimes from there. But now it's so busy. It's, it's kind of like the same thing. We lost our summer there yeah kind of like the people in michigan do with with these two rivers, the rivers right right 
So, yeah, but you know what? In fall, it's ours, baby, and I love it. <laughs> there you go. But it, how trampled is it? How damaged is it? It's, you know what? It's, it's, um, Seen it's better days. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, but you know what? It's, it is still, you know, when I, I went up there this last fall with my friend and, and we had talked about that with the Mennonite speedboat. Yep. Oh yeah. yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, um, and that is a great band name, by the way, the, um, <laughs> You know, the trails up there, there were deer and there's bear and there's, you know, it's, it's definitely seeing use. Right. But on the other hand, you know, like when I went up there, it was really cold and rainy. And so I went into that little country bar one night and I'm talking to these guys. I'd just seen a cougar out there. Oh, okay. So it's still, it's, you know, it's seeing use. It's seeing heavy use. It's still still the backwoods. Yeah. 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 Well, or hopefully something it that, stays that way. Yeah, truly. Hmm. Um, other than that, you got anything else, Derek? I've got nothing to add. Nothing? John? Anything? How you, John? I'd like to bring my dog back in here, being that you guys, you know, were upset about the start <laughs> of the show. <laughs> he, does, he does talk, by the way. He makes Chewbacca noises. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Well, train will actually speak English. <laughs> and we'll have him on the show. He can replace there Derek. You <laughs> can replace Derek. Oh, God. That's just mean. Derek was replaced by a talking dog. I was looking for a <laughs> bullying phone number earlier. Let me see if I can yeah. find oh, it. Oh, let me, let me find it for you. <laughs> I think, now, if I remember that the, let's see here. I wrote it down, actually. Sean, you said it was the, for Derek, the number is... Sean and Derek don't actually care dot com. <laughs> no, it was Sean and John don't actually care dot com. Oh, that's right. Oh, geez. Yeah. yeah. So you messed that up. Yeah. You're fired too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Both that's of you. That's the whiskey speaking. Uh, uh, well, let's go over some events here then before we call it an evening. Sure. Yeah. Uh, events coming up Winter in the Wild, Family Day weekend here in Ontario, February 15th to 17th. It's a big uh, winter camping weekend at Mew Lake in Algonquin Park. Lots of winter camping fun. I will be there with my uh, lovely wife and Derek is still up in the air whether he's going to be there or not. I haven't decided yet. The Toronto Outdoor Adventure Show, February 21st to 23rd, the Toronto International Centre. The Adventures and Paddling stage at 12.45 p.m. on Saturday, February 22nd. I will be doing a presentation. Quiet. Derek, is that the one you said you were going to attend with eggs and tomatoes? So, so, what? what? <laughs> <laughs> is that the event you were going to attend with eggs and tomatoes? Eggs and tomatoes. Yes. During my speech. Oh, there we go. Better throw some I'm bacon, I'm on the same too. page now. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you take a mood. Rotten <laughs> to catch tomatoes, up. Rotten tomatoes, tomatoes and aged, experienced eggs. Uh, Quiet Adventure Symposium, February 20... F- no, 29th. Why do I have 21st 29th, in here? Yeah. The 29th is Leap Day. Uh, in Lansing, Michigan, the Michigan State University Pavilion, 3 p.m. I will be in the Betsy River Room giving a presentation. John, where will you be and when? I think... I can't remember right now. You you, you surprised me oh, with this. Surprise. <laughs> I'm going to say somewhere around 1 o'clock. On the Saturday? 
on the Saturday, and I don't remember what room, but I'll be doing a uh, Lions and was it Lions and Great No Lions and Great Whites and Bears? Oh my! Huh. Uh, photography primer in one of the rooms there <laughs> around one o'clock. One o'clock. Yeah. All righty, and we'll have a booth. We'll have a booth there. And if you are standing in front of John's booth, and you <laughs> turn around, yes, you yes. will see us. Yeah, there we are. Yeah. There we are. Turn around, and there we are. Hey, you know what I was thinking this year, by the way, what? because they have a great after party, which yeah. is one of the things that that make that event so great is cool people and a really good after party. Um, the next morning, what I thought we should do is do a taste test of some of the like instant coffees that you can take out now into the back country. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's some really good, you yeah. know, like there's some high end coffees now that are, mm-hmm. they're doing the, the instant coffee route. And, I figure that morning in particular will probably need it. Um, and we can go ahead and test those that morning before we all get on the road. Yeah, we and then we can hit test. we can hit Sobeys and buy a whole bunch of them. Yeah. To bring back across the border. <laughs> yeah, there you like, go. Like uh, there's quite a few brands that are starting to come out now. Be, they're becoming more popular. Well, we got the Nescafe ones here. I've got Nescafe, about three, Starbucks. At least yeah. I I take those to work. And I sit them in my desk I, at work, so I can just yeah. open one up, add some hot water, and off I go. Yeah, there's days where I'll get up and I'm like really dragging or something, yeah. and I'll go ahead and I'll make that while my other coffee is brewing. <laughs> you know, um, what is it the the Mount Hagen or Mount Hagen uh, organic instant coffee? It's fantastic. So yeah. I think it would be good like that morning. Why don't we get together before everyone kind of splits up and we'll. We'll do a taste test, and then we'll we'll report on that for the next episode. The March first, yes, yeah. coffee bonanza. <laughs> yeah, awesome. I think so. Oh, we're yeah. coming out. Uh, Tuesday, March tenth, the Paddling Film Festival. We are hosting that here yes, at Drums and Drums and Flats in Ajax. Tickets are fifteen bucks. They sell out the last couple of years, so get your tickets now. Their uh, tickets are on Eventbrite. There is a link on our Facebook page and and whatnot. Or if you Google Paddling Film Festival Ajax, it brings it right up. Canucopia, March 13th to 15th, and Madison, Wisconsin, the Alliant Energy Center. John, you will be there as well with a booth for the outdoor yep, we'll kind. Have the, we'll have the booth there, and we are doing three different presentations there. Uh, and I'll a sneak peek of a big panel presentation with Kevin Callen, Cliff Jacobson, Nick Gordon and I talking about outdoor safety. Nice. Excellent. Mm-hmm. And then after that, we have the Ontario Backcountry Canoe Symposium Saturday, April 4th. The, the Waterloo, Ontario Theatre of the Arts Building, University of Waterloo. Derek and I will be there with our booth. And if you want tickets, it's too late. Sold out. Are they sold out? out. Sold Already sold out. out. Yeah. Um, they do a... David and Matt do a fantastic job yes, they do. with oh, that. Yeah. Definitely, definitely do. This one and the uh, the winter one. Yeah. And I got a new event here. Um, I was on Canoe Hound Adventures live stream there on Tuesday, and somebody had asked if uh, any of us were heading to the Ottawa Outdoor and Adventure oh, Travel Show. That. So is it open? And we were, a few of us were like, well, that's not in existence anymore. Well, apparently last year he was sick and had to cancel it for the year. But it's up and running again this oh. year. 
uh, they moved it. It's now at the Nepean Sportsplex, April 18th and 19th. Free entry, free parking. Really? And Sean will be presenting. Nice. Yeah. You've already applied. I, I, I sent him a direct message and said, uh, are you guys, a lot, of, a lot of people know. So he said, yeah, if, you, if you're looking, if, if you want to help out. And so, yeah, so I threw my cool. presentation and go, yeah, we're good. So I'll cool. be uh, presenting there as well. And that is, I think that's it. That's it. That's all. I've got April 7th. If I can add April 7th, the Canoe Hound Live, uh, the YouTube show. I'll be on there talking about the outdoor kind. Oh, okie dokie. So that's, that's a little down the road. But again, for anybody that is in the, you know, central, <laughs> in central Canada or the upper Midwest of the U.S., this weekend... Get in the car, drive like crazy, get down to Sawmill Lake Campground, and do some winter hiking with us. I can't go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you're, you're sort of like the, you know, you're the guy that does all the, you know, the long drives and everything. So, you know, Birchwood, Wisconsin, I think you should come. So hmm. if I left work at two o'clock on Friday, <laughs> yes, there you go. I would get there. What time are you go? Yeah. What time are you guys hiking on Saturday? <laughs> what time are you gonna get there? <laughs> Four a.m. Yeah, sometime middle yeah. of the night. So set up yeah. my tent right I'll, next to yours. I'll have the coffee ready for you if you show up. <laughs> <laughs> Hike all day. Excuse me. <laughs> have a good night's sleep, and then drive home on Sunday. I think that's fair. Yeah. 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 Let me see if Tracy says I'm good. Yes. That'd be a busy <laughs> weekend. What? No? Oh. Yeah, Tracy says no. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> I think I got to get a haircut that day. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah. Yeah, but for anybody that, that's uh, in, you know, central U.S., uh, it is near Birchwood, Wisconsin. You can find it online. Um, it's the winter ca camping rendezvous. You can also find it in the Facebook group, but it's, it's just going to be a, a nice relaxed get together of, of winter camping folks. So come on up if you're around. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Let us know if uh, you guys are going, drop us a line and, or go to the outdoor kind, go to John's, uh, Facebook page and drop him a line. Say you're going to be there. Absolutely. And I think that's about it. Yes. That's it. Yes. That's all. Yes. Yes. Yep. If you want to find out more about us, you can find us at paddlingadventuresradio.com. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can listen to us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Player FM, and all your favorite podcast downloading sites. If you go to paddlingadventuresradio.com and click the episode page tab at the top, you'll find all 207 of our podcasts there that you can download or stream. You can check out our YouTube channel. There's a couple things there. And uh, don't forget to go to theoutdoorkind.org and uh, check out uh, John's site, see what they're doing there with first responders. And if you got a second, share our uh, podcast with your friends and get them on, on here as well. We're trying to get to that 30,000 listener yeah. plateau. Um, that's about it. So I want to thank John for coming on this week. Thanks, guys. Uh, I want to thank everybody for listening. I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm Derek Spest. We'll see you next time.